All right, grab your Bible tonight and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. Paul was writing the Corinthian church, and they had their share of problems. Uh, that's how we know they were a Baptist church, amen? And uh, Paul addressed so many things. The book of Corinthians, both first and second, but I, more so even first, I believe, but first and second Corinthians really deal with specific problems. Uh, taking your brother to court, immorality in the church, church discipline, Lord's Supper. He just dealt with several different things, uh, the idea of tongues and he spells them out, and of course, obviously, the Lord tells him what to say, and he teaches the churches, and there's so many lessons that he gave to the church at Corinth that was for us, as far as Christians, and again, uh, tonight's lesson is out of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and he's dealing with this idea of temptation, and really more than temptation, of making sure that you don't get to a place where you're in, in, in the temptation, and that's what I want to deal with tonight. I want to preach a message on that thought of they thought they could stand, and I want to use 1 Corinthians chapter 10, as Paul did, as he spells out. Uh, the children of Israel and what they did. So we'll look at it together tonight. Let's go ahead and pray and ask the Lord's blessing on his word. Father, thank you again for letting us be in church tonight. Lord, again, give us the words to say for your people. Bless them tonight. Lord, I know this is the one area that all of us deal with, this area of temptation, whether we're old or young. Help us, Father, Lord, to see from Scripture, Lord, what we're supposed to do so we don't get into a position of temptation. And Lord, again, use your word in our hearts and lives. We love you. Thank you again for your goodness to our church, to, our pe to the people. And Father, help us tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. In church family, the text verse that we want to look at tonight is verse number 12. We'll just go ahead and read that first. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Paul builds um, really the chapter or the, his words around this particular thought. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Now let's go back to verse number 1 and let's see what goes on in the context of this, <clears throat> of this verse in this chapter. Verse 1 says, Moreover, brethren, so is he talking to lost people or saved people? He's talking to saved people. He says, moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant. In other words, I don't want you to not have knowledge of this about what he's about to talk about. I want to make sure that you have knowledge of it. He says, how that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And again, he's talking about the children of Israel when he's talking about our fathers. And so in verse number 2 through 5, he's talking about the children of Israel going through, uh, in through the wilderness. Verse 2 says, and we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock, capital R, that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Now, church family, there are scriptures that are specifically for the children of Israel. There are uh, scriptures that are specifically the church, and I know sometimes people get those verses intertwined, but Paul is very clearly here making a parallel of the children of Israel and the church, talking about those who are believers, and he makes that parallel in verses two through five, when he's talking about the children of Israel, they were all baptized. Well, the children of Israel, when they walked through the Red Sea, were not baptized like we're baptized. All right, Obviously, this morning, five people were baptized. And that baptism is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're saved, you ought to get baptized. All right, That's just simple obedience. All right, You get saved, you go under the water back out. But he's making a parallel, just like the children of Israel got, um, of course, the blood was put on the doorpost. It was a picture of salvation when they were taken out of the land of Egypt. They come to the Red Sea. He's even making a parallel of the picture of baptism, all right? The identification, just like the children of Israel were with Moses going through the Red Sea. That when a person goes to the baptismal waters, they're identifying with the Lord Jesus Christ that they're saved. So he's using the parallel. Uh, in verse number three, they all did eat the same spiritual meat. He's talking about the manna that fell down from heaven. And he's making the parallel for the Christian that we have that same spiritual meat, just like bread came down of heaven, uh, physical bread, manna came down of a heaven to be able to feed the children of Israel, that God's given us manna. It's the word of God, all right? And that word, man shall not live by 
bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, that God feeds us. So he's making the parallel back and forth of the children of Israel to us as believers. Now let's pick it up in verse number, uh, pick it up in verse 5. But with many of them, talking about the children of Israel, but with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Verse 6, now these things were our, what's the word? Examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Now, church, I mean, what's the first word in verse number 7? First word in verse number 8? Verse 9? And verse 10? All right, so he's going to use four different examples of the children of Israel and they're actually Bible stories. Now, we're not going to turn to the Bible stories tonight, but each of these Bible stories is giving us a lesson on this thought. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. That's what, that's what Paul's trying to get to when he gets down to verse number 12, is he's using the different stories of Israel's that if they would have taken heed, they wouldn't have fallen. All right, are we all together so far? Say amen. All right, now let's look at those. Uh, we're not going to turn to them, but let's look at the verses. Verse number 7. Again, verse number 6. Now these are our examples. Verse number 7. Neither, first of all, be ye idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Now I don't know if you have a reference Bible or not, but you can, if you don't, you should write in next to verse number 7, Exodus 32, 1 through 6, because that was the golden calf. Remember they rose up to play? Remember Moses goes up to the mount? He's hearing from God. He's gone for 40 days. They start to say, hey, we don't know what happened to this guy. So they made them, God, made them what they thought were gods, little g. They made them gods, the golden calf. They were idolatry. Was God very happy with them? No, I wasn't very happy with them at all, all right? Look at verse number 8. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Again, if you've got a reference Bible that might show you the reference, but it's Numbers chapter 25 verses 1 through 9. Story, remember the story. <clears throat> remember how the Moabite king, uh, Balak I believe is what his name was, and he wanted to get the children of Israel cursed by Balaam. And he comes to Balaam and says, would you curse these people? And Balaam says, I can't. God won't let me. Balaam was not a Christian, he was a or believer, he was a soothsayer, all right? So he went to hell, he's burning in hell even now, mentioned in the book of Jude. But Balaam tried to curse Israel and couldn't do it. So what did he do? The Bible says that he counseled the Balak, hey, I can't curse these people, but you can get them in trouble with God. So he sent the Moabite women over there, encouraged them to come to their sacrifices. They committed fornication. Uh, as the Bible mentions there in verse number, uh, verse number 8, 23,000 died in one day. Verse number 9, next story. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of what? All right, remember the song you sing in the hymn book, Look and Live? That's the story of the brazen serpent. Remember that? They were murmuring about God they were, as far as the Lord bringing them out. They are murmuring about Moses and God sent serpents among them. They all get bit and God, they repented of what they had done. Moses puts up that brazen serpent. If they looked, they lived. All right, so that's that particular story there. All right, next story, verse number uh, 10. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now, let me just quickly say, if you're writing notes, in verse number 9, that story comes from Numbers 21, uh, verses 5 through 9. In verse number 10, that's Numbers 14, verse number 29, just singling out the verse. But that's the story of the 12 spies. Remember the 12 spies go out, 10 were bad, 2 were good, they came back. Oh, there's giants in the land, we can't go in. And the Bible says the destroyer to the destroyer. That's the story of the 12 spies. Now, think for just a moment here. He said in verse number uh, 6, now these things were our examples. Look at verse number 11. Now all these things happened unto them for what? And they are written for our what? Upon whom the ends of the world are come. Now, here, so, here, so what you do is you've got Paul writing, the writing to the Corinthian church, and he's using the children of Israel as an example. 
He's saying, hey, listen, these guys are an example. They lusted after evil things. They're for our admonition. What can we learn from that? Well, we understand that the golden calf, that when those uh, that went and made the golden calf, 3,000 people died. We also understand in the next story in verse number 8 that when they committed that fornication, 23,000 people died, as mentioned in one day. 23,000 people died in verse number 8. In verse number 9, those that tempted Christ, the Bible doesn't tell us how many. It just says much people were killed. When you look up the passage there, much people were killed. Those that were murmuring, how many people died? All those 20 and up. Because only those 19 and younger got, got to go into the promised land. They wandered around. Now, church, I mean, God, God's using the passage here to teach us about temptation in our life. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand and take heed lest he fall. He's saying, listen, when it comes to temptation, there hath, verse number, you, you got your Bible right there, verse number 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is what? Common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above the year able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. All right. Every person inside this auditorium tonight deals with temptation. Every person deals with temptation. And so Paul says, he says, now listen to the Corinthian church. He says, obviously, you've got a lot of issues in your church, but there's one issue that all of you are dealing with, and this is area of temptation. Now, Paul is going to tell them two things to be able to keep themselves from temptation, and those two things are signified by one word. It's the word wherefore. All right, now look what he says next. What's the first word in verse number 12? What's the first word in verse number 14? All right, so he only gives us two things. Now, I don't know why Paul did not have three points in his outline. I have no idea. Because every good message has three points, and I'm just telling you, I can only find two. All right? So these are the two things that Paul says that if you don't want to fall, you don't want to yield temptation, don't miss these two things. Wherefore? So in other words, the children of Israel were just like you and I. They went through the Red Sea. I'm sorry, they left Egypt, picture of salvation. They went through the Red Sea, picture of baptism. They had manna that fall down from heaven, picture of the word of God. They drank the same spiritual water that we drink, which is a picture of the filling of the Holy Spirit. They, Paul's making the parallel with the church and with the children of Israel. And he says, now listen, the children of Israel, also some of them, there's a picture here that they yielded to temptation in their life and they were punished for it. Just I mean, I don't, I, I'm just telling you, I know temptations, I know that sin, excuse me, sin is enjoyable. You tell me the word. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy. Enjoy. Our flesh likes to do wrong. It's always going to be that way until we get to heaven. And I want to tell you, you cannot just justify it. You cannot just kind of put it in the back burner. You cannot act like it doesn't exist. It does exist. We like to do what we want to do. And all of our appetites are different, all right? And so it, it doesn't matter what your appetite is. Just like we have physical appetites. How many people like watermelon? Raise your hand. All those unjust, carnal people, raise your hand, all right? You like watermelon. How many of you in here uh, like chocolate? Raise your hand. You like chocolate, all right? How many of you in here like uh, green beans? Raise your hand. Some of us love, several, how many like Brussels sprouts? Anybody like Brussels sprout people? Now, I'll just tell you right now, okay, now this is biblical. Brussels sprouts are really good in cheese sauce. They have to have, you know, some type of butter sauce, cheese sauce. Otherwise, Brussels sprouts, ugh. okay, anyway. But there are different appetites when it comes to eating. Now, some people like one thing, some like another. It's the same thing with our sinful gratification, you know, I want to tell you, what's a temptation for you might not be a temptation for somebody else. I was only tempted one time to smoke, and to be honest with you, smoking is not a temptation for me, all right? There's others of you that smoking was a temptation for you, and it's still a temptation for you. 
our, the, the things that we are going through in our life are going to be different. But understand this, whatever the temptation was, just like in here, they were tempted, idolatry. They were tempted, fornication. They were tempted, murmuring. They were tempted to doubt. All the temptations were different, but there's one thing that was common in all of them. There's a punishment for sin. My son despised not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he... By the way, that's a good thing. Revelation chapter 3, verse number 18. Uh, as many as I love, verse 19. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. It's because he loves us. Hey, young people, can I just say this if you're, if you're listening to this tonight? Young people, I'm talking about elementary, junior high, high school. Can, can I just tell you that when your mom and get on you, I know you look at it, they're just a mean old ogre and they don't like you and they don't like everything you're doing. But can I just tell you, deep down, the reason they discipline you is the same reason God disciplines us as Christians. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. There's punishment involved. Now, tonight, can I just tell you, I don't know what your temptation is and it's not for me to know. You know, the Bible says in Isaiah, I think, uh, I know it says in Isaiah, but uh, I wish I could tell you the chapter off the top of my head, but I lost it. But Isaiah says, as for our iniquities, we know them. Every one of us, it's not, it's not a question tonight. It's not like, man, I wonder what I'm having a hard time with. You know what you're having a hard time with. Right now it's lying, okay? Because all of us deal with temptation in our life. Now listen to me tonight. I only got two points, so stay with me tonight. The two things that Paul says is really clear. Look at them real quickly with me. Here's the first one. In verse number 12, all right? Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth, what's the next two words? Take heed lest he fall. All right? The first thing Paul says this, he says, now listen, when it comes to this idea of temptation, because verse number 13, there hath no temptation taken you. So in other words, if I'm not going to fall, I'm not going to yield temptation. What is the big deal about temptation? I want to tell you what the big deal about temptation is, because if you yield to temptation and you sin, there are several things that happen. Number one, you break fellowship with God. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, which means if I'm not walking in the light, I have no fellowship. That means when I read my Bible, that's when I sit in a church service and I can't hear anything from God. Sometimes it's because there's something in my life. What does he say? Psalm 66, verse number 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, what's the rest? Okay, so it's pretty important for us to make sure that we live a clean life and don't yield to temptation because temptation is what breaks our fellowship with God. Temptation is what causes us, or sin really, but temptation causes sin and sin causes us to lose rewards with God. It causes us to lose our rewards with God as far as what God would, wants to give us. In James 1.15, what else does it does? Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished bringeth forth what? And it's not just physical death. We understand physical death came out of Romans 5, verse number 12. Physical death became because of sin. But can I tell you spiritual death? I want to tell you something. Spiritually, you are not going to be the Christian you should be. You are dead, dying spiritually when you allow sin to have control of your life. You know, crowd this size, there's, there's people in this auditorium, you're doing things that nobody else knows about and they're secret sins. The three types of sins mentioned in Scripture are, first of all, presumptuous sins, are proud, arrogant, you don't care if everybody else knows that you're doing them, you're going to do them regardless of anything else, those are presumptuous sins. Secret sins, those sins that you commit, you don't want anybody else to know about, and God knows, you know, and you don't want anybody else to know, but you're going to keep doing them. Sins of ignorance, those are called errors, but sins of ignorance are those sins that you're growing in your faith, you just don't know that they're sin, but you shouldn't be doing them. Church family, that's what growing in grace is, that's what growing in your faith is, is that the longer you come to church, you know what, maybe I shouldn't be doing that. 
The wise Christian is always growing in their faith. The scornful, stubborn Christian is the person, you're not going to tell me what to do. Thank God you're saved, your name's written in heaven, but while you're on this earth, you ought to want to be growing closer to the Lord, not farther away. So it doesn't matter if it's a sin of ignorance, doesn't matter if it's a sin of secret sin, or if it's a matter of a presumptuous sin. Can I just tell you tonight, this is really not about the sin. This is really not about the temptation. This is about before the temptation. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. So what does Paul say? Paul gives us these four illustrations of the children of Israel and how they fell and what the punishment was. And he says, now I'm telling you as a God's people, I want to tell you how not to fall, how to stay away from temptation. Take heed. Take heed. That word take heed, it, it, we, we use the term pay attention or take heed, but it means to, to look at, to, do, to beware of, to regard it. You know, Paul's told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. We need to take key. You know, isn't it interesting that God's admonition to us when it comes to the devil, 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because you're after the devil walked out of his roaring line, seeking whom he may devour. Think about that for a second here. God says, basically take heed. Be sober, be vigilant. Have you, if, have you ever gone to a person's house before? And there's, or, you know, I think of when we're going out soul winning, you come across a house and there's a dog on the front porch. You ever, you ever come across a dog, dog sleeping on the front porch? Now, I don't know if you notice this or not, but you're, really, you should, because I think it's kind of interesting, because it's happened more than once. If there is an animal specifically a dog on the front porch, and you're walking by, before he opens his eyes, his ear, move, his ear will move. I can't say that about all dogs. I'm not a dog, but I'm just telling you. I've seen this before. You know what that dog's doing? Sober. It's like the, he heard something, his ear, and not, I know not long after this, his eyes are going to open, but he's, he's conscious of it. Can, can I tell you what you need to do as a Christian? You need to be conscious of what the devil is putting in front of you to get you to fall. To get you to sin. Church, I mean, you know the stories in the scriptures. What about David for just a moment? I, I, I hate to be too elementary, but let's face it for a second here. David is known as the sweet psalmist of Israel, the man who killed Goliath, the man after God's own heart, all those things. But the one thing he's known for is he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And when you study the sto that story, what do we find out? At a time when kings go forth to battle, where's David? He's at home. He was not supposed to be there. We also find out that when David went to the top of the roof, and the Bible says he first of all saw Bathsheba bathing, that in the very, I think it's the next verse, the Bible says he looked upon her. In other words, he saw, but then he looked. There were several steps to David's sin that caused, hey, can you go find out about that woman? Okay, tell her to come to my, to my palace. There were several steps to the progression of David's sin before he ever sinned in his life. And you know what Paul says? Listen. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed. The first thing that we have to do is recognize what is the sin in my life. But then, as you bring me a, a fishing pole, could you grab it for a second here? Listen, I'm not a fisherman. How many fishermen do we have in here? Raise your hand. No fishermen? Raise your hand if you're a fisherman. Right, you like to, how, about, how about if you like to fish, would you raise your hand, okay? I'm not a fisherman either. Put your hands down. Now, kind of cast us without killing somebody. Thank you. Okay. All right. You know, I'm going to do it from up here. This looks like it's going to go quite a ways. Now listen, you guys in the middle aisle, please be attentive. All right. Now, 
I only went fishing one time in my life that I caught really anything. I don't know, it was probably 45 fish in just a short amount of time. It's one of those things that you get in a hole and you know that there's fish there and they just all start biting. That's the best kind of fishing. Every other, every other time of fishing in my life, I sit there and watch the bobber in the water. I don't like fishing. All right? I don't have patience for fishing. Now, some of you, you're godly. You like to go fishing because it's a spiritual therapy. You talk to God while you're out there and fishing. And I sit there and look at that bobber and I think to myself, bite the hook. <laughs> this is ridiculous. So anyway, as far as fishing, this is what they told me to do. All right, you guys ready back there? I'm serious. Now, I'm going to cast this. I want you guys to pay attention, all right? Here we go. All right, I'm going to try for the middle aisle. You guys are safe. my kind of fishing. <laughs> All right. Now, Brother Alan Berglund was my principal in school. I was in the eighth grade. I don't know why he did it, but him and his wife took me on their vacation for me to go fishing with them. All right. So we went to camp. I'm sorry, not Camp Chatech. It was in Wisconsin. Was it Chatech Lake? And so we get out there and we fish. Now, here's what he told me. He says, now listen, he says, you're going to cast that into the water. <clears throat> He says, what I'm going to do, he says, I'm going to throw a bobber on there. But he said, don't worry about the bobber. He says, what you're going to do is you're going to cast that thing in the water, and you're just going to bring it back really slow. He said, you bring that hook back really slow, and he says, what's going to happen is that lure that's going to be down in the water, it's going to be coming through the water really slow. It's going to catch the attention of the fish. And he says, sometimes you're going to feel a little nudge. He says, sometimes the fish will bite at it, but they won't, they won't take the hook. But he says, he says, when that thing starts to go a little bit, he says, what you've got to do is you're going to yank that... I forgot there was something on there. There's not a hook on there, is there? Okay, good. You're not going to get hooked. You're, you're not going to get hooked. You're going to get a concussion, all right? But he said, when that starts to get that hook, he says, you, you set the hook. He says, you pull that thing back, and you set the hook into that fish. And I want to tell you, that thing's going to go all over the place. But if you set that hook right, you're going to bring that fish in. So I said, okay, I can do that. So sure enough, man, he was right. And I, I would put that thing out there. And there was a couple times we went out and didn't, didn't catch anything. And uh, so here's what we did. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can you throw me my hook back, please? I am so sorry. Brother uh, Flowers has a concussion now, all right? You don't give a concussion to people who have a gun, all right? I'm really sorry. I just tossed that. Forgive me. All right. All right. Sorry about that. Okay. Okay. He just quit as the sound man. All right. So, all right. So, you cast it out there, and what do you do? You bring that thing in really slow, and you let it go through the water, because the fish is going to be looking for that, and they're just going to start doing that. Now, can I tell you something, church family? If mankind knows what to do to catch a fish, don't you think the devil knows what to do to you? He's been doing this thing for seven, almost 6,000, 7,000 years, all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Satan knows what he's doing in your life. So guess what? Take heed. The, the devil knows exactly what he's doing. So take heed. Don't, don't just act like, you know, nothing's going to happen to me. Because I want to tell you something. There's a bunch of people that thought the same thing, and guess what happened? 3,000 people died because they made a golden calf. 23,000 people died because they committed fornication. Much people died because of murmuring against God. I'm just telling you, there's, there's, God recompenses us when we yield to this idea of temptation or sin. So guess what? I need to take heed to it. 
There's only one more. Look what he says next. I want to combine the two here quickly. First of all, wherefore, in verse number 12, take heed. Now look at verse, let me, let me read them together if you don't mind. Verse number 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Verse 14, first word again. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, the second thing he says is flee. Now, you say, Pastor, it says flee from idolatry. Church, remember, you remember what the uh, scripture says? Uh, uh, you remember how many times, let me back up. You remember how many times I've told you that when you look at a verse, you always look at the context of what's going on as far as the verses before and behind? In the context of what we're reading, Paul's talking about temptation. He just gets done using four illustrations of people who yielded to temptation and it cost them. He gets to verse number 12 and says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. When he gets down to where he says, uh, Wherefore, flee idolatry, here's what he's trying to say. When we yield to temptation, it's like the children of Israel yielding to idolatry. What was idolatry? Anything before God. So whatever it is that you enjoy doing that you know is against Scripture and against God, and you do that, it's idolatry. I'm not bowing down to some graven images. I'm not, I'm not looking at that. But it's not about that. It's about having anything before God. All right? Now, church family, I like sweets. How many saved people in here like sweets? Raise your hand. You like sweets? All right? We got M&Ms up here. I've got uh, double-stuffed Oreos up here. Fudge-covered Oreos. That looks good. Fudge-covered Oreos. I've got fudge stripes up here. Hershey's Cookie Launch Crunch, whatever that's called. Toffee Squares. That sounds delicious. Looky here. Wow. What are these? Chocolate-covered almonds? Stouffer's. Russell Stouffer's. All right, good. All right. Anybody like chocolate-covered almonds? Like chocolate-covered almonds? Would you like to have some chocolate covered almonds? You can't have them? <laughs> Do they make you sick? Does the smell of them make you sick? <laughs> That's what Satan does to you. You know it makes you sick spiritually, whatever your temptation is. You know it's harmful to you. And Satan doesn't care. He says, come on, just one. There's a thousand of them there. Come on, just one. Have you ever had one of these before? Do you like chocolate covered almonds? A lot. A lot, lot. <laughs> okay, hold your hand up. You don't have to eat it. I'm just going to put it in your hand. I want you to feel it now. Just feel it for a minute. Can you smell that? It smells good, doesn't it? Now, is this kind of stuff, is it deathly to you? Does it, like, hurt you if you eat it? Not that much. Not that much. Hmm. Hmm. Not that much. So you really would probably be okay if you ate one. And if it was only one, would you like to eat that one? Hmm. If your mother was not watching you right now, would you like to eat that one? Hmm. Interesting. Hmm, I'll just hold on to that for me. That's what Satan does to you. That's what Satan does to you and to me. And Paul says, I just want you to understand, it's not worth 3,000 people dying. 
or 23,000 because of immorality. It's not worth it. So what does Paul say? I'm going to tell you how you get over your temptation. Number one, you take heed. You acknowledge that it's a temptation in your life. Number two, flee. Now I'm going to tell you, I looked up the definition for flee. It's really deep. If you've got a pen, write this down. Run. <laughs> you know, interesting, if it makes you sick, I don't want you to hold it. Did you give it away? Okay, you can. You're fine. I, just want, I, just, I appreciate you helping me, though. Just let me think for a second here. One of the greatest Bible characters in the Bible that we respect very, very much and we use over and over and over because they ran is who? Joseph. Potiphar's wife comes to Joseph. Joseph says, hey, well, listen, I can't do this great wickedness and sin against God, and you're married. And he leaves the coat in her hand. He runs the other direction. Now, can I just tell you, I think David, after losing Tamar, being raped by her brother, losing Amnon, being killed by Absalom, having Absalom take over an insurrection and cause him to have to run, and of course the very first thing is the baby dies, I think David would have thought, I wish I would have ran. I think Samson, after he lost his two eyes and he's plowing like an animal, I think Samson said to himself, I wish I would have ran. These two things is what every Christian needs to do in their life in order to not yield to the flesh the world, the devil, is I have to, first of all, I have to take heed, I have to acknowledge that it's a problem in my life, and I have to run from it, all right? Now, let's do this. I appreciate you teenagers sitting on the front, by the way. This is a blessing, all right? Why don't you help me for just a moment here? We're going to pretend you're sin. Come over here a second. You're sin. Don't, don't worry. You're just sin. All right, you stand right here. What are you? Sin. All right, good. God bless you. Thanks for offering to help. Come here for a second here. You stand next to her. We're going to pretend tonight, this tonight your temptation. All right? What is this one? Sin. What is this one? Temptation. All right, good typecasting so far. Okay. You come on over here. You're the guy who doesn't like chocolate. All right, come over here. All right, now this is the Christian. All right? All right, what is this? Temptation. temptation. What is this? Sin. Sin. All right, now, what we do in our Christian life so many times is we don't have a hard time standing next to temptation because temptation is not sin. The scripture says, when sin is finished, not temptation. We think to ourselves, I haven't committed adultery, I haven't stolen, I haven't done this, whatever that sin is, I haven't done the sin. So Paul says in verse number 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. So he says, listen, I'm trying to keep you from the sin, but it's not the sin that you need to be staying away from. He says, you first of all need to take heed to the temptation and what? Flee. I want to tell you something. This is the answer to every Christian's problem and every failure you have in your life. This is the answer. Take heed, flee. Take heed, flee. Take heed, flee. We, we can go through a list of sins tonight. I don't have to. All of our sins are different. I know what mine are. I'm not telling you. Stop looking at me like that. <laughs> Wonder what they are. So since I know what my sins are, I go to God on a regular basis every morning, and I ask the Lord, Amen. lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. I wonder where I heard that from. Model prayer. So every morning of my life, during the model prayer, I said, Lord, would you please 
Lead us not in temptation. Would you help me to avoid temptation? Would you help me to abstain from evil? Would you help me to run from sin? And church family, listen, if you'd stop standing here, you wouldn't be here. Amen. When you get to here, I acknowledge what the temptation, not the sin, I acknowledge what my temptation is, and I flee it. I get away from it. You know, isn't it amazing a person who has a problem with alcohol that when they get saved, they don't want to be around alcohol at all? Yeah. Nowhere. They just, they just try to run from it. But, you know, the Christian that grows in the Christian home, the kind of problems you're having are a lot of times are more inward than they are outward. Envy. Strife. Anger. Lustful thinking. And what happens is because of our sins being inward. By the way, whether a sin is inward or outward, it's still sin and God doesn't like it. So what happens is we excuse our sin as if it's not a big deal, but we don't understand we're only one step away from the sin. I would never do whatever that sin is. But as long as you're standing here, you're only one step away from it. That's why Paul said, acknowledge the temptation, take heed. Hey, you know what? That's going to be harmful in my life, and it's going to cause me to do that. I'm fleeing. You know, um, we, we grew up with a television in our home, and television has changed so much now because of technology. But when we were growing up, the only channels that we had was 2, 5, 7, 9, 11, and 32. Does anybody remember those days? 2, 5, 7, 9. I don't know if it was in Kansas, but that's what it was in Chicago. 2, 5, 9, 2, 5, 7, 9, 11, and 32. How do you have memorized? Those are the only channels we had. Video has always been a pull for me, okay? It, it always has. Growing up, uh, dad was, and dad, but dad really, he had, he had a good strict policy when it comes to television. Dad was not attached to television at all, and I think because in his era there probably wasn't one. <laughs> How many remember when there wasn't one? All right. You guys that remember when there wasn't one, you probably don't have that much of a poll. But I think that the generation that we have right now, like me, it's even worse because video is everywhere. Alrighty. I, I, I know I told you the story, but it, um, uh, it was... Uh, uh, where, where are you? What's your sister's name that got married? Cassandra, that's who it was. God bless me. All right. I'm pretty sure it was Cassandra was in the hospital when I went to see her. You remember the story? I don't think it was Charity. Is Charity in here? Was Charity? Wave to me. Was it you or was it Cassandra? You don't even know what I'm talking about. I think it was Cassandra. Was, okay, you would remember because you were there. Bear with me because many of you heard me tell this story before. Uh, Cassandra goes into the hospital and um, do you remember what it was for? Yeah, bad allergic, allergic, allergic reaction. By, and by then, we weren't for sure, really, everything was going on. So Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Moody's on the other side of the bed. Cassandra's laying there, and I come in as the, the faithful pastor to console. And I walk in, and the television was on. And Cassandra's laying there. Television is there. Mrs. Mooney is right there. And it was some type of action film. I mean, just, it was just action. There was just a lot of action. It was Indiana Jones. Oh. <laughs> Okay, 
I still have not seen Indiana Jones in its length, but at the time of this thing, there was this big ball chasing him. All right? <laughs> By your look, you know the story. So I'm there to console her. We didn't know for how bad and how serious it was. And all of a sudden, I glanced at that television that was up there. And when I looked at that, I lost it. I was so engrossed with the television that I'm watching all the action that's going on that I had forgotten where I was. <laughs> I will never forget when it finally got done with whatever scene it was. And I remembered, I'm in a hospital to hear see somebody that is sick and dying. And I turned around and Mrs. Mooney and Cassandra were, look, were looking right at me. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. But that's one of my polls, right? There's something about media and movement, that kind of thing. So growing up, dad did not, dad had good convictions when it came, I felt like it. Dad, if, if he watched a show and it cussed one time, he would turn it off. And he was very faithful about that. And I remember how many times, it wasn't a lot, but I remember times we'd get, you know how you get to the end of a show in the last 10 minutes at the climax, and sure enough, they would cut, a guy would cuss, use, use a bad word. Dad would say, turn it off. And I'm thinking, oh, I want to know, is he going to die? Is he going to live? I want to know what's going to happen at the end of the story. And he was faithful at it. One cuss, here, it's gone. Well, Growing up, those are, those are things. So when my wife and I got married, we decided we weren't going to have any television. Now, today, things have really changed, but you've got to remember now, we've been married 31 years, 32 this year, 32. You know, back then, you know, not to have a television, you know, she, my wife was just out this last week, and they were asking you about cable or something, and she told me, well, we don't have cable. And she said, you, you don't have cable? <laughs> what, what planet did you come from? <laughs> Okay, so I know what my poll, I know, it's, I know it's, so I have to be careful. I just can't, I can't do it. I, can't, I cannot let, allow that to just have control of me. But I want to tell you something. There's some times if I'm not careful, it will. The shows aren't like it used to be, are they? Andy Griffith, Zorro. You guys don't know who Zorro is, do you? Is there a new Zorro? Is that the, that's why you're smiling at me? I'm talking with the old black and white shows. You know. You can't beat the rifle, man. I'm just telling you. Right. It's not in the Bible, but man. So uh, can I just tell you, I'm sorry. That's one of my appetites I have to be careful with. But you know how you, I realize there's a temptation there. And I don't want to become sin in my life. I recognize it. I flee. I'm not going to put a television in my home. I'm not going to have cable in my home. I'm not going to do it because I want to tell you something. I've got enough other issues in my life I can take care of. I don't want that to be one of them. Amen. You know what your sin is. Recognize the temptation, flee. I'm not going to stand next to it. You young people, I'm done tonight, but I want to tell you, I just wish some of you would just grab a hold of this thing because you think you're okay. I don't know if you noticed it or not, and I'm done. Once you look at one more thing, and I'm done. Did you notice that in all four examples, there was a phrase that was used about all four of them? Look at your Bible. You all can be seated. Thank you so much. Look at your Bible, and we're done. Look at verse number, uh, verse number seven. <clears throat> neither be idolaters as were, what's the next three words? Verse number eight, neither let us commit fornication as, what's the next three words? Verse number nine, neither let us tempt Christ as who? Verse number 10, neither murmur ye as.
Can I just tell you that in a group this size tonight, there's some of them that you think you've got it under control. And you're going to be part of the 3,000 that's killed, the 23,000 that's killed, the much that died, the 20 and up that wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, some of them. Not all of them, some of them. Now, I don't know if you're the sum or tonight, but I know one thing. All of us deal with temptation. Take heed, flee. Say that with me. Take heed, flee. Say it again. Take heed, flee. Heavenly Father, Lord, I ask you to please help all of us tonight. We're flesh that likes to sin. God, would you please forgive us of our sin? Lord, whatever the temptation, whatever the sin, help us as individuals tonight, Lord, to, to take heed and flee. Take heed and flee. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.